And welcome to Tuesday on the Pure Opelka Podcast. Mike here. I have been working my butt off all day, so I'm sorry it's a little bit late, but we got a podcast for you. And we'll get into the clips that caught my attention, plus a visit with Jim Stovall. And as we are trying to do on a more regular basis, a look back on this day in the day, this day in history. What happened on December 5th? Well, in 1783, George Washington said farewell to the officers who served him as he uh, fought for the freedom for our new republic. In 1854, a guy named Aaron Allen got a patent for the folding chair. And I hope he got wealthy off that patent for the folding chair because it certainly changed how many chairs you could store in a closet of the banquet hall, right? In 1933, something strange happened. At least it was strange to me. Utah was responsible for ending prohibition. The state of Utah was the the last state to push ratification of the 21st Amendment over the finish line that ended prohibition, also known as the Noble Experiment, <laughs> right? But I think it's funny that the most sober state in the Union was the key state in ending prohibition. On this day in 1945, an aircraft squadron disappeared over the Bermuda Triangle, and as someone who has had a harrowing experience in the air over the Bermuda Triangle, I'm a believer. We'll get into that one day in a longer conversation. 1967, the Beatles opened the first Apple store. Apple store? Not computer, clothing and accessories, you know, mod clothes. The Beatles were on Apple Records. They opened this Apple store to get into the retail end of things. It was an instant hit and then fell off a cliff. Nobody wanted to buy the Beatles clothing at the Apple store, and at the end of the next summer, it closed. In 1974, while we're still in England, uh, the final new episode of Monty Python's Flying Circus appeared on the BBC. It still shapes my comedy to this day. And in 1997, you remember the name Latrell Sprewell? The NBA suspended Sprewell for attacking his coach. It was a crazy moment. I remember that very clearly. All right, let's get into uh, the news because there's just a whole bunch of news. There's still some, some follow-up on what we talked about yesterday with Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and James Comer and his committee releasing the statement regarding the direct payments to Joe Biden, which pretty much show you that Joe knew what Hunter was up to. At least that's what it says to me. Now, will that make a difference? I don't know. Cringe on Pierre ended the presser yesterday when she was actually asked about uh, the uh, Comey announcement, the Comer announcement. Comey, that's the old James Comey. Where am I going back in time? Uh, KJP abruptly ended the presser when she was asked about James Comer's announcement and the news regarding the payments directly to Joe from Hunter's business. Thank you. Uh, the White House has said repeatedly that the president and his son were never in business together. They've said that repeatedly also in this room. Um, according to bank records obtained by the House Oversight Committee, though, uh, one of Hunter Biden's businesses, Osawa PC, set up direct payments to the president. Uh, did the president accept payment? And why would there be such an arrangement if they were never in business together or if there was a wall of separation, as the president has previously said? So I have to be uh, 
clear with you. I, I have not seen that report, so I would have to refer you to my colleagues over at the White House Counsel's Office on that particular question. All right, everyone. See some of you in Boston? Or yeah, got to go. Got to go. Got to get out of here. Uh, nothing to see here. I know nothing about that. Well, I, I remember when Joe was campaigning against Donald Trump, and he was asked repeatedly about Hunter's business. Repeatedly. And he had some pretty strong denials about it. Hunter said the only thing you said to him was, quote, I hope you know what you're doing. That's exactly right. He's a grown man. What I meant by that is, I hope you thought this through. I hope you know exactly what you're doing here. Meaning what? That's all I meant. Nothing more than that, because I've never discussed my business or their business, my sons or daughters, and I've never discussed them because they know where I have to do my job and that's it, and they have to make their own judgments. But you understand people say, Joe Biden, he's an experienced politician, statesman, knows the issues of Ukraine. Why didn't he just say to his son, this is one to take a pass on. It may not look good. He was already on the board and he's a grown man. And it turns out he did not do a single thing wrong as everybody's investigated. Sure, sure. Nothing to see here. Keep going. Yeah, I, I remember when Joe was asked about it after Donald Trump kept bringing it up. Uh, Mr. Biden, if I can. Sure. Uh, Questions of controversy continues today about Hunter Biden, your son's. Uh, there is no controversy about overseer my son. It's just all questions. It's a flat lie because the president has nothing else to run on. If you notice, while American people are talking about what's happening to their families, he has no plan. In the debate, he has no plan. Everything from the Wall Street Journal, every other major news outlet has said what he's saying is simply not true mm. about my son. Okay. Yeah, sure. Well, we also had the uh, FBI director being grilled today in the Senate about, you know, why didn't we pursue the investigation? Why didn't the FBI look further into this? Ted Cruz, in fact, got got quite heated, got quite tense with the FBI director about the lack of investigation into Hunter Biden and his business. Is the FBI, do they make a routine practice of allowing partisan political optics to prevent investigating serious evidence of corruption? My instructions to our people on this and on every other investigation are that we are to follow the facts wherever they lead, no matter who likes it, no matter what political influence may be out there. Then why did you get the GPS there. data on where Hunter Biden and Joe Biden were? Again, Senator, with respect, I can't discuss but, but it's an not ongoing with respect. investigation. And, and, and Director Ray, you and I have gone round and round on this, because I understand. Anytime you're asked about this, the answer is it's an ongoing investigation. Of course, the investigation isn't ongoing. You're not doing the work. You've got whistleblowers pointing out that you're not doing the work. And you are hiding behind the skirts of the attorney general. Yeah. Ted Cruz getting all worked up. We like it when Ted Cruz gets all worked up about Joe Biden. And you know what? Speaking of Joe Biden and uh, the Biden crime family getting paid for really not doing anything, because we still don't know really what Hunter was doing. It was a no-show job in Ukraine for Burisma. And we don't know what he did for China or Russia. Or any of the crazy overseas businesses that Hunter was getting big chunks of money for. But here at home, the University of Pennsylvania hired Joe Biden. And we've heard everything from a four-year deal to a two-year deal. Well, the president of UPenn was in a House hearing today and got grilled about what Joe Biden was doing. And listen to the tap dance she tried to give us. Ms. McGill, as president of UPenn, can you give us some insight into why Joe Biden was paid almost a million dollars by UPenn 
What were his responsibilities when he is at UPenn? Did he teach a class? I appreciate the question. Uh, President Biden was a professor of practice at University of Pennsylvania for a little over two years. My understanding is that his salary was $400,000 a year. We also had uh, Mr. Jeb Bush as a professor of practice at University of Pennsylvania. Professor, uh, President Biden had a wide variety of uh, uh, obligations. He was in what many different classes. What exactly did he have? He, was, he held seminars. He was in many different classes. He interacted with thousands of students over the time he was there. Mm -hmm. He invited uh, speakers. The goal of the center was to enhance... For $400,000, anonymous, uh, anonymous Chinese donations poured into UPenn after your university hired Joe Biden, and he appeared to have a no-show job. Yeah, no-show job, which is why you know, Joe is probably such a big union guy. He's big on the no-show jobs, $400,000 a year to, you know, invite speakers. I'd like that job, Penn. Very interesting. It seems like all of the uh, sketchy activity around the Bidens are starting to be exposed. And even the people of Joe's old hometown of Scranton, Pennsylvania, appear to be souring on him. I think Fox took a camera to the streets of Scranton. Now, you know they're not going to find a whole lot of love for Joe in their edits, but I did think this was kind of surprising when you hear the variety of people who just aren't happy about Joe Biden trying to claim Scranton, Pennsylvania as his hometown. My opinion is he, I don't know, he praises here, but I don't, I don't think he actually like grew up like here technically, so he uses that as like that he cares about us. Tougher for people, you know? So how could he be seeing it through our eyes? I'm a registered Democrat, but I'm not happy. I think he's the worst president we ever had, to be honest with you. But, no, nah, I'm not, I'm, this, this economy sucks. I mean, everything's going up, except, you know, paychecks, you know. I just think the economy sucks. Yeah, there you go. The people of Scranton have spoken. Now we're still over 330 days away from an election, so we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. We're going to see what happens. Um, I guess it's tonight. Sean Hannity has a town hall with uh, President Trump, and then tomorrow is the debate with the four remaining candidates. We will see what's shaking there. You know, I, I shouldn't be so tough on Joe Biden because there is a group of people who like Joe Biden. You might even say, well, they've said it. They love Joe Biden. Who are these people? Well, they are people just crossing the border into our country. Fox's Bill Malusian set up a camera right on the American side of the fence where people were squeezing through. And uh, by the hundreds, I think yesterday was a record-breaking day with 10,000 people entering the country illegally. My God. God, we're under a, an invasion, a Biden invasion. That's what we're going to call it from, from now on, the Biden invasion. But the Biden invasion has the illegals professing their love for Joe Biden. I love you, Joe Biden. Thank you for everything, Joe Biden. I'm a good person. I want to be a good person here in the United States. I came here because I want quality life. You know, America is a, is a land of opportunity. Now, what surprises me is uh, how well these people speak English. 
It's absolutely stunning. They speak English better than some of the people in our school since better than me right now. Some of our, they speak better than some of the kids in our school systems as we speak. Uh, the other side of the border invasion, the Biden invasion, is uh, what Muckraker has discovered. Now, yesterday, there was a video showing Chinese men, adult men, you might even say of military age, crossing into the border in California. And if you watch the video, there's no, no narration on the video, but if you just look at the pictures, they're all wearing what appears to be brand new clothing. It looks like they walked out of an old Navy. And all of them, brand new shoes, brand new pants, brand new shirts, and they have brand new luggage or backpacks. It's all new. And you're wondering, uh, how, how is this happening? Is this coordinated? Well, there's a, a website called Muckraker who's been covering the Biden invasion. And they're down in Colombia, where a month ago they found a blueprint in Chinese telling people how to get from Colombia to America, what routes to take, what hotels or motels to stay in. And Muckraker even took us through one of the hotels, which was all Chinese nationals in the middle of nowhere, Colombia. Listen to this. So right now we are in Colombia at the Cabanas Rio Mayo Hotel. And this hotel that we stumbled upon by accident is a major hub, a major transit point meeting place for Chinese foreign nationals that are on their way to the United States. And last night when we were here, we were eating at this hotel restaurant and we were the only uh, foreigners that were not Chinese. I mean, the, literally the entire hotel is just Chinese foreigners. Uh, we spoke with the hotel staff here and they confirmed that. And while there are some women and children, it's mostly military-aged males. There's some right behind me right now, actually. And we showed you in a previous him. video of ours a Chinese blueprint that's distributed amongst Chinese in uh, WhatsApp groups. And this is actually one of the stops on the blueprint. It says to stop in Pasto. That's where we're at right now. We're on the outskirts of Pasto. And the point is that the Chinese have very sophisticated quote-unquote migration networks all the way up to the U.S. border. And this hotel that we're at is proof of that. It's all Chinese, and for some reason they all know to come here. It's because they are in direct communication. People that are further up the trail or that have made it to the United States are telling people that are on their way, hey, this is a hotel that's safe for you. Uh, we also found we were staying at this hotel. You know, they're expecting Chinese. You can see a lot of the writings, a lot of the signs in this hotel are written in Chinese. Again, this is further proof that it's not by accident. It's not just some sort of one-off occasion that there's all of these Chinese nationals here at this point. Yeah, it's not an accident. It's a planned invasion that's being permitted by the guy whose son was getting paid millions by China and then funneling the cash back to Joe. Of course he's not going to do anything. Does that sound too conspiratorial? I'm sorry, it's not. It's reality. It's absolute reality, and it, it's awful. I guess we're going to hear something about the uh, proposed vote to move forward on impeachment of Joe Biden. I don't know if that'll stop him. I really don't. All right, got a couple of other things we have to get to. Uh, last night, I was watching the news, I saw... The explosion of the home in Virginia where police were trying to serve a search warrant. And they must have been worried because they came with heavy artillery. They came with one of those um, urban assault vehicles that can ram through a door. And they ran through a door 
And the guy was uh, apparently reportedly firing back at them. They backed the truck out. They were headed towards, well, uh, I'll let you hear the explosion as well. There's the house. Yeah, it, it was massive. And this was from about a block and a half away. It's raining debris and setting off car alarms in the neighborhood with the concussion. But yeah, people are freaking out. It was crazy. We still don't know a whole lot as of the time I'm recording this about what was going on. But there was a guy who witnessed it. A guy who was right there on the scene. Come out, we don't want to hurt you. And then they ended up driving the, the, um, the SWAT truck through the front door with like a pile driving arm. And um, okay. at that point, he started firing uh, a weapon back. I mean, I, I believe it was like an AR. It was a high power. It was a high caliber weapon. It's not a flare. They shot flares at the beginning. He was not shooting flares near the end. Uh, they started returning fire with non-lethal weapon, with a non-lethal, uh, they kept saying non-lethal, non-lethal, they're shooting a shotgun back into the windows, blasting out the windows a little bit. And then um, at that point they reversed the truck back. They kept trying to yell to him. He sounded like he was trying to say something back, but they were like, look, we can't hear you. You know, please come out, please come out. We won't get hurt. And um, at that point they, re they reversed back and they, they changed the angle of the truck and they were gonna try to take out the window, the front window there tell them to back up from the window and uh at that point they were driving forward to the window and that's when the whole place went up i mean just absolutely i mean you saw the video it was come out we don't want to hurt you it was crazy right absolutely crazy i gotta get away from crazy our friend Jim Stovall is joining us once again. He behind the Winner's Wisdom column that you can find online every week at jimstovall.com. But he's also a prolific author, more than 50 books, leading to nine movies. And, of course, the narrative television network that helps blind people see or experience TV and movies. I shouldn't say see. Excuse me, Jim. You, you get to see the words in your head and the scenes in your head. And help me dig myself out of this hole, Jim Stovall. Well, you know, on Sirius XM satellite radio, they have the old-time radio things, and their tagline is, the pictures are in your head. And they really are. I mean, if you've ever listened to a great announcer do a baseball game, yeah, you see it. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. And that's kind of what the Narrative Television Network does. But we talk about the Winner's Wisdom column. And as we're getting to the end of the year, a lot of people are looking back at this year but this week's column kind of looks back at more than this year jim yeah i i celebrated my 65th birthday uh, earlier this year and my wife put together a party and you know and told everybody no gifts just bring cards but uh, one of my friends did, didn't pay attention to that and i'm so grateful they didn't because uh, they brought me this little book and I think technically they got away with it because it fit inside the card. It was that small of a book. But it was everything that happened the year I was born in 1958. It was just amazing to go back and see the things that have happened in my lifetime. You know, when I was born, there were 130 million people in the United States and 3 billion people on the planet. Both of those numbers have doubled in my lifetime. And it's just, it, 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 it's staggering. You know, the year I was born... Tuition at Harvard was a thousand dollars a year, and gasoline was twenty-four cents. And uh, the average home was eleven thousand dollars, 
and the average income was $4,000. So you can kind of feel where you fit into that whole deal. And there's so many things that happen, you know, I mean, the, the year I was born, Michael Jackson and Madonna were born that year. So there's a, uh, there's an interesting uh, <laughs> dynamic there. I don't know what to think about that. And it went down into sports, and that was the year the Dodgers left for L.A., which uh, ruined uh, Brooklyn, according to uh, so many people. And that's the year uh, Tommy Bolt won the U.S. Open golf tournament at Southern Hills Country Club. And that was so ironic because that's where we were holding my uh, my 65th birthday party. So, wow. you know, we were sitting right there in the middle of this history. So it's just fun to see what has happened in your life. So if you ever want something fun for yourself or you, or you're struggling for what should I get someone for their birthday, these things of like, here's all the things that happened the year you were born are really amazing. And I, I think it's important for us to understand how far we've come. I mean, you talk about some of the accomplishments. You talk about some of the people who were born the the same year you were born. I, I look back at, at things like, okay, the year I was born, which is just one before you, Jim Stovall, I got here a little bit ahead of you. Not that I've caught up to you yet, but uh, Elvis Presley bought Graceland the year I was born. Wow. And, and you look back and you say, wow. And then you see that the Soviets kind of freaked us out and put a satellite in orbit the year I was born. And uh, Eisenhower and Nixon were starting their second term. And then you look at where we are today in terms of culture and, and entertainment and technology. And in fact, most of us hold in our hands with our cell phones more technology than pretty much existed in the highest tech lab in America at that time. And I, I think it gives us not only uh, pause to, to look at all the great accomplishments, but to see how far we've come. And I always wonder, okay, what's next? Yeah, I think, and if anything, it's accelerating. I read a great book recently. It's entitled What's Our Problem, and it's about uh, all the conflicts we have and the divisiveness and everything. But one of the things it says it's an evolutionary problem because the connectivity has got us together so much. And this thing goes back over you know, 100,000 years of human existence. And, and if you made a giant book with a 1,000 pages in it, virtually everything we know has happened on the last two pages, and most of it is on the last page of this thousand-year <laughs> or thousand-page book. And it's just, you, you got to realize, I mean, even things we think of as old and established, they're just the blink of an eye, but we are, we are accelerating. I mean, things are changing faster than they've changed before. So, yeah, obsolescence is right around the corner, but, uh, you know, every innovation creates new problems, and then there will be innovations that will solve those problems and create new ones. So we are both the problem and the solution. And that is truly one of the greatest thoughts today. We are the problem and the solution. But you can't be part of the solution if you don't understand the problem. And I think that's part of what this week's column is about, is looking back at where you were and now seeing where you are and then charting out where you want to go and maybe need to go. Absolutely. And, you know, it's like when you go to the mall or, or, or an airport or a big building, and they have those maps so you can find your way around. And here's a map of the whole building. But there's one thing you've got to know. If they don't put it on there, you can't find your way. You can have a whole map of the whole mall, but you've got to have the little thing that says, you are here. If you don't know where you are, 
or how you got there, there's no way to find where you want to go. So true. So true. Follow Jim Stovall. He's he's great on social media, but also at jimstovall.com where you can get the Winner's Wisdom column delivered to your inbox every single week. And then we hang out and talk about it. And I appreciate you spending time every week with us, Jim. Well, I, I enjoy it, and I look forward to our next time together. And there he goes. Uh, one more thing before we get out of here today. I, I got sent this by my friend Maze Moore, who uh, does great stuff on Twitter, great video edits. But he's also a bit of a history freak. And while we're just talking to Jim Stovall about looking back, Mays sent me this clip from 2011. This is a clip from 2011 of Donald Trump in his office in Trump Tower. I recognize it because I've been in that. I was in that old office uh, years ago. Talking about Dick Cheney, who released a book that day. And Donald Trump felt like he needed to weigh in. And I wonder, I just wonder... If this statement from 2011, 12 years ago, is part of the reason Liz Cheney is so angry and vindictive and even talking about a third party run. Seriously, she is. That's not going to happen. But check this out from 2011, Donald Trump on Dick Cheney's book. I didn't like Cheney when he was a vice president. I don't like him now. And I don't like people that rat out everybody like he's doing in the book. I'm sure it'll be a bestseller, but isn't it a shame? Here's a guy that did a rotten job as vice president. Nobody liked him. Tremendous divisiveness. And he's going to make a lot of money on the book. I won't be reading it. Yeah. Donald Trump dropping a hammer on Dick Cheney when his book came out. I got to believe that this is part of Liz Cheney's vindictive reasoning ah it's so infuriating all right i'm taking a break till tomorrow we'll get after it tomorrow i think uh dr royston's joining us for a wellness wednesday till next time testudo my friends testudo